Everybody, as you find your way in, let's all stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing, yes, Lord, yes, and then shout to the north. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. sanctuary, padded pews with lumbar backs. I mean, can you have it any better, right? So here we are in the Lord's house and we don't have to worry about snow blowing down our neck or anything. We're just nice and comfortable in the Lord's house. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you and we thank you for your many, many blessings to us. And it may start just as simple as 
our place to worship that you have provided, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the nation that we live in. We thank you for our families. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus. And I pray that you'd be with us as we gather tonight for our evening service. Be with those who are not here, but those who live stream. We thank you and praise you that for, for that technology and that ability for people to do that. We are looking forward, Lord, when all will be able to come back and be with us. I pray that you would bring that soon. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Brother John's going to lead us in a couple more songs, and he's going to allow you to stay seated. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll go where you want me to go. It may not be on the mountain's height or over the stormy sea. It may not be at the battle's front. My Lord will have me to be. But if I still
Let's lift up our voices one more time as we sing Count Your Many Blessings. And now church arise and you can remain seated as we sing Count Your Many Blessings. When upon life's billows you are tempest tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Rachel. 
This afternoon, I was chatting with a lady who made me ponder what I was going to preach tonight. And um, so turn with me to 2 Kings, if you would. 2 Kings chapter 18. So I, I came in early today and decided to do this message tonight based on a conversation I had today. Uh, and the conversation was about presidents. So this lady who called me today was very excited because she said she was watching the news and she had, and I have no idea, I, I have not seen this and do not know, but she was very excited because she said, Donald Trump is running for president in 2024. And so that she's very, very excited. But then she was talking to me about how that she voted for Barack Hussein Obama. And so when I, when I look at this president here and this president here, I see two very different presidents, don't you? And so she's talking about casting her vote here, casting her vote here. And for me, neither the two would ever meet. But it made me think to myself, with all that goes on around the world and in our nation as well, you know, what, what truly would a kingly king look like? What, what would a man or a woman who was going to be a genuine, sincere, true leader who knew and loved God and practiced the things of God, what would they look like? So go with me, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And we are going to look at a kingly king. We're going to look at somebody who manifests all that the Bible would teach us. That leadership should look like and character should look like. Um, I enjoyed my conversation very much today. But it certainly stirred my mind as to what you and I as Christians what we should look for in leadership for our nation and around the world. When we look at people who rise up in positions and countries and nations, we understand that those folks who lead, they have people just like us under them. Their leadership affects every person, doesn't it? So let's look here in 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to take us to look at Hezekiah, a kingly king. Listen to what it says as I read to you these eight verses in 2 Kings. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign. And he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places and broke down the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan which simply means a piece of brass. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any 
that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. He smote the Philistines even unto Gaza and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. Let's ask God's blessing as we look in this text. Lord, I pray that you be with us as we look into this text and we are introduced to Hezekiah, king of Judah, a kingly king, a king of such character, of such action, of such practice that no king before him or ever after him in Judah would be like him for he just stood above all others. I pray that as we look at this text, it would stir us and remind us of what kind of character and what kind of individual we all should look to as we look to our leaders. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So as we look in this particular text, the first thing I want you to see about Hezekiah is he was a genuine, genuinely spiritual man. Now, in my lifetime, I've gone through many, many presidential elections, and I can remember many a president stand up and tell, tell all of us what a spiritual man he was. Um, I can remember when um, Bill Clinton was running for president of the United States. He talked about going to church and I think it was Arkansas where, where he was governor. In fact, I actually went ahead and did some research to look. And, and when he was governor, he had gone to a revival. He had made even a profession of faith there. And he talked about his faith. But then when he became president, well, we struggled a little to see what I would consider a professing Christian to manifest as far as Christian living. I certainly throughout the years, and if you, if you remember yourself, president after president who's come to office, who has told us what their Christian faith is. But I think it is important that we as a people look at the spiritual value of an individual. I think it reflects who they are in their core after they give their speeches, after they spin it the way that they want to present it. Who really are they in their core? When we look at Hezekiah, we find in these scriptures some evidence of who he was inside of him. When you look at verse 5, look at what it says. It says, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. So we find that it simply says he trusted in God. Now, for me, when I look at that, it makes me think he, he knew the Lord. In fact, we're going to look in just a little bit. We're going to see that he did know the Lord. But if he trusted in God, then that means he looked to God as a model, as an example. And I want you to look with me into Psalm chapter 9. Look with me at the ninth Psalm. And I want, to, I want you to see what kind of a leader God exemplifies. So if Hezekiah was a man who trusted in the Lord then he would have followed the ways of the Lord. Well, let's look at the example that God gives us of leadership. Psalm chapter nine, and look with me at verse seven on down through 10. It says, but the Lord shall endure forever. 
He hath prepared his throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. So when we look at God as a leader, when we look at him as the example of leadership, we find in these verses things that Hezekiah could have drawn from. If he was somebody who truly walked with the Lord, trusted in the Lord, knew the Lord, then he would follow the pattern of the Lord. It's kind of like that little bracelet that people wore for years. What would Jesus do? Well, Hezekiah, maybe he wore a little bracelet that said, what would the Lord do? And so as we look at this text, we see the things that the Lord would do. It starts off in verse 7 there. It says, but the Lord shall endure forever and hath prepared his throne for judgment. So we find that the Lord says, as our king of kings, he is one that endures. He is one that is there. He's there at any time. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He is there for us to rely on and trust him. He's not a fair weather leader where one day you can trust him and believe him and one day you can't. He is ever present, ever there. Look as we go down a little bit farther here. Um, and verse 8. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. Isn't it interesting when it talks about the Lord and his leadership, we find righteousness and uprightness. We don't find low character, low language, low behavior. You don't find base behavior. It's an interesting thing when I hear people who vote for folks through the years. And I don't ever tell people who to vote for. In fact, I often don't even mention who I vote for. But through the years, I've heard people say, well, I separate my faith from my politics. You know, I personally can't do that because my faith is part of every part of who I am. And when I look at somebody, if they're a very low character, do I want low character leading my nation? If they're cowardly, measly, do I want that leading our nation? I can't separate poor character from leadership. Here we see that God tells us he is a God who leads and he does so preparing himself to be righteous and upright in his judgment and what he does. Look at verse 9 with me. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed and a refuge in times of trouble. So he's telling us that God, as the King of kings and Lord of lords, as the one who oversees and cares for all, it tells us he's a refuge. He's a place that people would look to and understand their security and safety in him. And it should be that way with the leaders of our community, our country. It should be that you and I as citizens can look at those people and say to ourselves, they have our best interest at hand. They would be a place, they would be a person who would care for our safety. As we look at this, we understand that Hezekiah draws from these things. We're going to see that he implements these things in his life. When you come down to verse 10, 
In Psalm chapter 9, it says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. You know, trust is an important thing, isn't it? And when we can't trust our, our community leaders, our state leaders, when we can't trust the people we send to Washington or vote into the White House, when you can't trust that person, then why would we want to vote for that person? We are an odd people in the United States, aren't we? And we look around the world and we find some of the worst despots become leaders in their nation. It's so perplexing. But Hezekiah is a kingly king. He is given to us as an example of one who truly rises up in leadership. Look at what it tells us about him. So he trusted in the Lord. And then when we come down to verse 6 and 2 Kings chapter 18, listen to what it says in verse 6. For he clave to the Lord. Now that's an important differentiation from he trusted the Lord to he clave to the Lord. It very much reminds me of Revelation 3.20 where the Bible teaches us that the Lord Jesus Christ, he knocks at our heart's door. And he says, if we will hear him and we will welcome him in, he will come in and sup with us, abide with us, be with us. You see, we cleave to our Lord by putting our faith and trust in him. So we see that Hezekiah, he was somebody who not only trusted in the Lord, he embraced God. He cleaved unto God. He had a relationship with God. It was not just words. It was real. For you and I in our nation and around the world, what a different world we would live in. If only the leadership in our country were genuine believers who practiced genuine Christian faith. It would change the way that the direction of our country and the rest of the world would go. If they really took the principles of God and lived and led with the principles of God. But let's look at a little more. Let's go on down in verse 6. That's a little farther down in here. He claved to the Lord. He departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. So we see a consistency in Hezekiah's life. And that is such a valuable commodity. Mom and dad in your life, grandma and grandpa in your life. It shouldn't be that your, your children see you one day have a passion for God and the next day you don't even know who God is. It should be that there is a consistency in our walk with the Lord. Hezekiah was somebody who had a consistency. And, and how I wish and desire that we would see in the leadership in our nation and around the world a consistency of Christian faith. Because there we would see compassion, even as God shows compassion, even as God cares, and we're able to trust in and rest in him. That kind of consistency comes from God, and it is so needed in the leadership around our world today. But look as we go down a little bit farther in verse 6 there. 
It says he claimed to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. So in order to keep the commandments, you need to know the commandments. Is that the truth? Uh, it is interesting to me sometimes because we do go through the, in the United States a political cycle every four years. It is so interesting sometimes to hear politicians try to reference the Bible. Because what they're trying to do is to get believers like, an, like us to vote for them. But when they reference the Bible, sometimes you can tell they've never read the Bible. They don't even know how to read the reference of, in a Bible. They don't know what to say. But they're spinning it to try to draw us in. But here we see that Hezekiah, Hezekiah says, listen, I am going to live for God. I'm going to have a relationship with God. And I'm going to obey God. He knew the commandments of Moses. He knew the history of his people. He knew their need to walk with, draw near to, and be blessed by God. You know, our forefathers, when they founded the United States of America, truly was founded on many biblical principles. They really did genuinely believe that America needed God to bless it. And how sad we have fallen so far. And when you look around the world, you see leaders too who, you know, they, they toss out words about faith and they toss out words about uh, religious heritage and all of that. But you don't find this. You don't find somebody who absolutely cleaves to the Lord, departs not from following him, keeps his commandments and knows the commandments of Moses. Hezekiah truly is a kingly king. He's somebody with spiritual character. It's genuine, it's real, and it's practiced. But let's look at how he practices his faith. Because it's really not enough. We're not looking for a pastor president. And I certainly heard that over the years where people have said to me, well, I'm not looking for the president to be the pastor. And that is ever so true. But if somebody really does practice their faith, then you will see it in their leadership, won't you? So let's look at Hezekiah. We've just heard wonderful things about his spiritual qualities. So let's see what, his, let's see what he does in his practice. Is he one who just politics? Or is he one who practices his genuine faith? Look with me at verse 3 again. And he, being Hezekiah, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. So I want you to focus in on the word did. It's not a big word. It's only a three-letter word. But it's a word that certainly conveys action. It conveys practice. He was somebody who did. He did what he believed. He practiced what he believed. He didn't pull the people and find out, well, listen, do you want me to be... A, a good guy today or a bad guy? Do you want me to be, uh, you know, a young hip guy? Or do you want me to be that old wise guy? You know, what, what do you want from me? No, that's not what you find at all. You find that he decides that he's going to do that which is right. Boy, how desperately we need to 
Seek and find those who simply do right. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Because they all promise to do right. But we have to seek and search. God says Hezekiah, he was somebody who did right. Verse 3, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. So I find that a very interesting notation. And actually, if you go through the uh, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, you'll find a number of times where it references these kings in reference to their father David. Now, they're not all the father of King David. I mean, they're not all the son of King David, but they're the descendant of King David. Their life reflects on their ancestry. Now, that, I, I personally find that a high quality. When somebody looks at the life they live and they say, how does this reflect on my mother, my father, my grandparents? There's a little check and balance there in our lives when that happens, isn't it? Am I going to embarrass my mother? Am I going to embarrass my father? Would I do this if my grandparents were here? Hezekiah was somebody who cared. He cared about his mother, Abby. You know, she was somebody who had such great influence on him that the Bible tells us about her. Not all the kings do we know who their mothers are. But Abby's somebody we know. We know because the Bible tells us she was the mother of Hezekiah. So when we come down here, it tells us he did that was right in the sight of the Lord. And he did that which was according to David as far as those things which were right and righteous. So we find that he brings honor to his name, to his ancestry. That's a quality that shows us that he took and practiced who he was and who he was taught to be, at least by his mom. His dad, not so much. We'll talk about that in a minute. He benefited his people. And I want you to see that. Look with me at verse 4. Because we see that he is a person of action. And I honestly believe around the world, those who are going to lead in a positive way need to be people who lead in action. Look at, listen to what, he said, what it says in verse 4. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves. And break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. And he called it a piece of brass. This is a bold leader. This is somebody who is not polling what is popular. But he is doing that which is right. So verse 4 tells us that he looks at his culture and his society of his day. And he says, you know what? There are some things in our culture and our society that are hurting us as a people. One of them was false religion. So he removed the high places. He broke the images of the false gods. And he broke in pieces that piece of brass. But that piece of brass is a big deal. That is the serpent that Moses held up 
And in the wilderness, they looked to it. If they had been bitten by a snake and were going to die, they looked to that brass snake and they would live. And all the way to the time that King Hezekiah is alive, they still have that. But what are they doing with it? It tells us they were burning incense to it. It had become a religious icon. And Hezekiah says, you know what? You guys are worshiping all kinds of false gods. And we have taken even some of our religious heritage and we have made it a false god and it's enough. And what's he do? He starts breaking it down the things in his society, in his culture, in his country that are destructful and harmful to the people. Even those things that are beloved, like that piece of brass. That takes a, a lot of gall, doesn't it? Takes a lot of courage to stand up and do what is right, even when it's not popular. So we look at leaders around the world and we say to ourselves, how does this despot get into power? He doesn't do it by doing right. He does it by doing wrong, doing evil, by going ahead and linking arms with Satan and finding power. That's how. How in America, sometimes we find ourselves with leadership that we shake our head and think, what happened? What happened is people really, they didn't look closely. They didn't think it through. They didn't really pray about it. They certainly didn't follow the examples of a king like Hezekiah. He is somebody who's absolutely determined to benefit his people, even if the people aren't happy about it. He's going to go ahead and help them to move in a positive direction instead of backwards. Look with me at verse seven, because here we find Hezekiah taking action. Verse seven, it says, and the Lord was with him. Don't you love that? Wouldn't I love, you know, when we go into this next four year cycle, when I talk to people and people are excited about this person running and this person running and this person running, wouldn't it be so exciting to go ahead and look and say, now there's somebody that God is with. There's somebody God is with. I don't care what party, I don't care what kind of outfit they wear or what color animal they walk with. I, I don't care about any of that, but if they were somebody who absolutely the Lord was with them because they were genuine, sincere, and following the principles of righteousness, man, I would vote for them in a second. The Lord was with them, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth. Why did he prosper? Why did, he, why did Judah prosper? Why did the country prosper? Because God blessed. Because God blessed. We sing the song, God bless America. And absolutely, America has been one of the nations in the world that has been incredibly blessed. But a big part of our history has been a people, not every person, but a people as a whole who wanted to have a country blessed by God. And so we hear, 
we see that Hezekiah leads his people. They turn from the false gods, from the idolatrous ways, from even worshiping things that were held in high regard, and they took it the step too far. He is somebody who genuinely, God is with him. He prospers the nation because God blesses Judah. Look down with me at the second part of verse 7. This is so important. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. Now we might look at that and think to ourselves, well, what's the big deal about that? He rebelled against the king of Assyria and he wouldn't go ahead and, and serve the king of Assyria. He wouldn't send tribute money, tax money to the king of Assyria. Well, I want you to see the connection. Look with me if you would. We're going to look at uh, chapter 16 of 2 Kings, verses 8 and 9. Uh, if you'll remember who King Hezekiah's father was. Do you remember who it was? Ahaz. Ahaz. Look with me now at verses 8 and 9 of chapter 16. And Ahaz took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord. And I want that to sink in. So he took the silver and gold out of the treasury of the temple. And in the treasures of the king's house. And sent it for a present to who? The king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria hearkened unto him. For the king of Assyria went up against Damascus and took it and carried the people of it captive to Kerr and slew Rezin. And King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest the fashion of the altar. Listen. King Hezekiah's dad is getting ready to change the temple to look like the altar of a foreign god. Ahaz was not a good example. He had done much damage. But you know, it's interesting that Hezekiah chose to do right, whether his father did wrong or not. But when you come here to this text, it tells us that when Hezekiah, at 25 years old, became king, he said, it's enough of this king of Assyria riding over, roughshod over us. And he rebelled against this king. Now his dad paid. Not only did he pay, he went and changed the, the altar at the temple to go ahead and look like... <coughs> the false god altar of the king of Assyria. Is it not amazing sometimes how fickle these leaders can be? And fickle maybe is a light word. I mean, truly, it's amazing how much they can flip-flop and change. Certainly, when you look at Ahaz, king of Judah, the father of Hezekiah, he was a man who was not a good leader. But his son rises above. And we look at him as one who does right. He rises up against Assyria and served him not. He wanted his people to be a free people. He didn't want to bring more restraint, more constraint, more control. He wanted them to be a free people. 
Look with me down, if you would, at the very last one I'm going to show you in the next verse. Look at verse 8. And he smote the Philistines, even unto Gaza, and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. What did he do? He defended his people. He wasn't trying to go ahead and expand his borders and conquer others, but he was defending his people. He set his boundaries. He said, Assyria, you have your land. Don't come here anymore. We're all done paying you tribute money. No more. The Philistines who kept coming in and marauding the land, marauding the land, he went ahead and drove them back from the fences to the walled cities. He drove them back. And he said, I'm going to protect our people. You know, a true leader cares about his people. So when we look at Hezekiah, the text tells us he was a king like none other before him, nor any other after him in the history of Judah. Now that is really saying something. For one, we understand that King David, a man after God's own heart, he was king of Judah for seven years before the United Kingdom, which he ruled for 40 years. So when we look at this, and it tells us that King Hezekiah was a king like none other before him, even his ancestor, King David, wasn't the king that Hezekiah was. You see, the leaders of the world don't have to be base people. They can be quality people. We need to pray for our world. We look at the things that go on and the things that come on the news. And I think we become so accustomed to people in leadership who are just such base character. When in reality, we need to desperately pray for God to raise up a Hezekiah. We need a Hezekiah right here in our country. We need Hezekiahs all around the world who will care more about right than themselves, who will be consistent in their right, who will care more about their people than their own power. We find Hezekiah to be a king, a kingly king, unlike any other king. Let's have a word of prayer, and I'll let you go this evening. Father in heaven, we thank you that we could look into your holy word. And I pray that you would help us to be a wise people. As we look at the things that transpire in our nation, in our world, we so desperately need leadership that is of quality. I pray for those who are in Ukraine as they are faced with the attack of a neighboring nation who's upon the whim of their leader decided to take them over. I pray for us as a nation, for it's such a slippery slope. We've seen it in World War I, we've seen it in World War II. Before you know it, one nation after another gets involved and it's, it's just a click, click, click until we're all there. I pray you'd protect our world from horrible leaders. 
And I pray that in our nation, you would raise up. Please raise up. Leadership that know and love you, that can be blessed by you, who will lead our nation to be one nation under God. We thank you that you love us and that through all these generations you've blessed us and how desperately we want to continue to have your favor. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you for coming out tonight.